1991, Billy Graham was conducting one of his uh, crusades, Buenos Aires in Argentina, the capital city. And all over the country for months preceding the crusade, pastors and churches were getting together to plan, pray, looking at ways to get people to the crusade. And I remember when we had the uh, Billy Graham crusade in Charlotte, I was privileged and blessed and humbled to be on the executive committee for that crusade and and got a up-close view of how churches and pastors organized, not only in the Charlotte area, but across the Carolinas for that uh, for that crusade. And so they were doing this in Argentina and, and, and all across the country, there were these groups of pastors. And there was one meeting in a, in a small city and uh, pastors were getting together to plan and, and the weather was just horrendous. It was one of these torrential you know, storms, just hard rain. There was even sleet at times and the wind was blowing heavily. And yet they all got together to plan for the crusade and to pray. And about halfway through their meeting, the door opened and a man walked in and he was soaking wet. I mean, have you ever seen a, you know, a little cat or a dog or a person outside in the rain? Just, just, you know, that's how he just, it's just pitiful, just soaking wet. And he looked exhausted and, and they were surprised he was late. And he was, he was a pastor. Now listen to this. He told them the reason he was late was he had walked 150 miles to be there because he wanted the people of his small town to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Does that sound like passion? Does that sound like commitment to, to, to be part of something bigger than self? To, does that sound like a belief that the gospel changes life? And if, if you have to be on a long journey to bring that gospel to the people you care about, the journey is worth it. Does that sound like somebody who thought that way and felt that way, huh? We, we've been talking about being on journey with God. And I'm going to wrap this teaching up today because, you know, we're, from the moment we become a follower of Jesus, from the moment we're saved, until like Dr. Graham earlier this week saw heaven, until we see heaven, that, that's our ultimate journey is from salvation to heaven. But, but between then, the here and now and on earth, we're on journey in that direction. And we're to live out, to flesh out, the will of God and the Lordship of Christ to do what He calls us to do. It's, like, it's as though Jesus is calling us forward in that direction. Take another step. And every, every time Jesus calls us forward, you and I have a choice to stand still or take a step. Stand still or take a step. Stand still or take a step. Because as Christ followers, we are always on journey. And, and, and if our hearts are right, we don't want to stand still. Last Sunday we talked about there, there are some aspects of this journey in the here and now that take longer than, than we wish they would take, right? Sometimes to get to where God wants you in life, uh, you, you'd like it for it to happen in this time span, but it takes this time span. Sometimes it just takes a while. Today, I want, us to, I want us to focus on, on this truth, that being on journey with Christ will always cost us something. If you're going to move from where you are to where Christ is calling you, it's going to cost you something. It always does. But isn't it equally true 
that not moving, that standing still will cost you something? So let's look at some things Jesus said about the cost and our willingness and our need to move forward on this journey with him. What, what, what does he say about a man like that man in Argentina who walked 150 miles, some of it, in a torrential storm to be there because he was committed to the gospel of Christ? I invite you to open your Bible with me to the gospel of Luke chapter 14. And if you use your phone or tablet, please uh, turn that on and look at it. Luke chapter 14. In this passage, Jesus teaches us some things about following him, being on journey with him. And, and what, he, what he says here applies to me. It applies to you. It applies to each and every one of us individually as Christians, as disciples. But it also applies to us, to us collectively as a, as a family of faith, as a church called First Baptist Church. And so what he teaches here is, is for each of us individually and for all of us collectively about, there, there, he says there's just some things you need to understand if you are really going to be on journey with me. If you're going to do more than just stand still, there's some stuff you got to know. So Luke chapter 14, and what I'm going to do it's kind of walk us through verses 25 to 33. I'm not going to read it all at one time. We'll just take one verse or two or three verses and walk through this and let Jesus teach us about being on journey with him. And so let's start at verse 25. It says, There were large crowds going along with him, and he turned and said to them. Now I want you to get this in your mind. I want you to visualize this, okay? Here's this large crowd of people. And, and it doesn't mean that all of them love Jesus that all of them were following Jesus, that all of them were obeying Jesus, or all of them even believed Jesus, but, man, they were interested and they were attracted to him and they were curious. Within it were some dedicated followers. But here's this big crowd. And Jesus often would attract a large crowd of the, of the curious. And, and then all of a sudden he stops and he looks at them. And he says, I'm going to tell you something. And what you're going to discover is when Jesus looks at that crowd and begins speaking, what he's saying to the crowd of the curious and the interested is I'm looking for more than a crowd. I'm looking for some real disciples. I'm looking for some people who really want to follow me and be on journey with me because it's easy to get a crowd. There's so many things we could do that would attract the curious and the interested and, and, and entertain people and just have a crowd. Getting a crowd is the easiest thing you can do. But making real disciples, now that's something else. And if you're going to be on journey with Jesus, it's not just about being part of the crowd. It's about being a disciple. That's what a follower of Christ is. That's the commission he gave us as the people of God is to go and make disciples, not just a crowd, but disciples. And he says, if you want to be on journey with me as a follower, as a disciple, let me tell you some stuff. And so he starts in verse 26, and it's interesting. The very first thing he says is the exact opposite of the smiling, positive preaching that makes everybody feel good we hear so much of today. He says in verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not what? What's the word? 
<laughs> you got to be kidding me. Hate who? Father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Now, does that, <laughs> do, you, do you think that's what a lot of people today would say, the first thing out of their mouth that they wanted to have a big crowd? You have to hate your family. <laughs> do you think Jesus really wants you to hate your family? No. He speaks about love. But he's speaking in hyperbola to get our attention and to make a point. There's an exaggeration to it to say, listen, if you're going to be on journey with me as a disciple, I must come first, even before your family. It's easy to say, I love Jesus and I love him so much, but do you love him more than? Does he come first? Before the people that you love most in life. Now, some people are, you know, hesitant because they, they read things like that and they say, well, if I love Jesus that way and follow him that way, then I won't love my family. No, the more you love him, the more you're going to love them. But he say, you can't love them as much as me and really fulfill everything I have for you in life because sometimes... Sometimes obeying me means you don't do what family wants you to do. He says, I got to come first. Billy Graham, for decades, from the, practically the beginning, you know, had Cliff Barrels and Beth Shea as part of his team. And Barrels, we knew, would lead the choir and the, 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 you know, the singing and all of that. And vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association for so many years. And his, his wife, Billy, she died of cancer. I believe she was like uh, 60, 69 years old back in 1994. Her funeral was in Houston, I believe, at Second Baptist Church where Ed Young is pastor. And Billy Graham um, spoke. And so he's standing in the pulpit of that great church and he's looking out at not only Cliff's family, but the family and friends of so many who had been part of his ministry and team and traveled with him for so many years. And he's looking at all of those people that he's known and he loves and, and, and he starts to cry. This is her funeral. And he starts to cry. And then he said something. He said, I want to take this moment to apologize to apologize to the families of all the members of my team and to apologize to my own children. He continued, we stayed away from home too long. Many times, months at a time in crusades and trips around the world, that was a critical mistake I made as a father and as an evangelist. And I want to ask for my family to forgive me, for the families of all the team members who've traveled with me to forgive me. Now, I want to unpack that for a minute because he's saying on their journey, his journey as an evangelist and their journey with him, he made some mistakes. They were gone too long. And I don't know about you. I've made mistakes on my journey. Have you made any mistakes on your journey with Jesus? 
Can, you, can we own that? Even when trying to do the right thing? Huh? So he was owning that. If I could do it again, he was saying I, I, I would do it a little bit differently. Now, he wasn't saying I wouldn't do the crusades and I wouldn't travel and I would never be gone. But he said I'd do it differently because I make some mistakes. But you know what else he's saying as we unpack that? Without meaning to, he is saying, and everybody in that audience who had been with him for all those years and traveled and been gone from home, all of them were also saying by their very lives, they understood what Jesus was saying in this passage. That if you're going to be on mission with Christ, sometimes there's sacrifice. And sometimes the people you love the most are part of that sacrifice. Yeah, he may have made some mistakes, but there's no way he would not have still made most of those sacrifices. Because they, by their very existence and ministry, understood that when you are called to follow Christ on journey as a disciple, he and what he's trying to do in life always, always, always comes first before everything and everyone, even family. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, who died some years ago, she described Billy Graham when, when they were young. She said, and this is a quote, she said, he was a man in a hurry who wanted to please God more than any man I'd ever met. He stood head and shoulders above all the others because of the depth of his commitment to Jesus Christ. And then listen to this. I knew, she said, I knew I would always be second to God in his life. But what better place to be? Don Wilton at First Baptist Spartanburg is Billy's pastor, visits with him practically every week. And he said, since Ruth died, there's not been a time he's visited Billy when he hasn't talked about Ruth. They loved each other. See, putting Jesus first doesn't mean you don't love, but it does mean he and what he's doing in life always comes first. Now, is everybody in the crowd going to do that? No. No. Those who are on journey with Jesus, yes. Not perfectly, but yes. But there's more. Let's unpack verse 26 a little bit more. Not only the hating, you know, family, putting Jesus before family, but toward the end of the verse, he says, even his own life. In other words, does Jesus, Jesus not only comes before my family, Jesus becomes before me. Before what I want, and before self and my particular interest, my plans, he simply comes first. Look at verse 27. Here's the second thing he said to this crowd about following him. He said, if you want to be my disciple, all right, listen, 
Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying if you're going to be on journey with him and see the great things that he wants to do in your life, the cross must come before comfort. The cross was a place of execution, death. It was a place of denial, sacrifice. Too often we in our church language talk about i got to bear my cross because there's some problem or something bad happening. That's not what it means. Jesus voluntarily allowed himself to be crucified to carry our cross means I choose to die to self. I choose. Jesus first. And if sometimes that means I give up a comfort, he, he gave up the comfort of his home for our home. He, he gave up the comfort of glory for the cruelty of a cross. Now, does that mean that, that our life is always going to be unhappy and miserable and we're always sacrificing everything? There have been so many blessings from God in my life there have been so many things he's done for me to make my life comfortable. Has God ever blessed you in a way that made your life comfortable, huh? Can I get a, anybody? Has God ever made you comfortable? God ever done anything fun and happy and good in your life? Then what makes you think he cannot occasionally say, I'm asking you to give up a comfort for my sake? there's more in verse 27 let's unpack it again not only carry the cross but he says come after me now get this visual in your mind okay let's just imagine that where i'm standing it's not me i'm a sinner many times over uh but but let's just imagine this is jesus standing here okay and over there's you to come after jesus to follow jesus to be his disciple means you leave where you are and come to where he is. It means you follow where he goes. It means you are on mission with him doing what he does rather than the other way around where we're over here doing what we want and saying, hey, Jesus, Jesus, come over here and help me. Hey, hey, Jesus, come over here and protect me. Hey, hey, Jesus, come over here and bless me. Hey, 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 Jesus, I got my plan that Jesus come over here and work it all out for me. Being on journey and on mission with Christ means we are on mission with him, going in his direction, doing what he calls, doing what he asks, fulfilling his purpose. It's about his kingdom. It's about the gospel. And so much of our modern Christianity is just the opposite. It's about I'm over here and all of my felt needs. And Jesus, you've got to come over here and fix me. You've got to come over here and help me. And does he fix me and does he help me and does he heal me? Yes, but ultimately it's still about are you on mission with Christ or not? That's what following him means. That's what being a disciple is. And that's, that's, that's radically different than just being part of a crowd that is a little bit spiritual. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. Are we, are we willing for Jesus to be Lord? And are we willing uh, to put him first before everything and everyone? And are we willing to 
and at times sacrifice comfort for something greater than self. Now, Jesus continues talking to the crowd. Let's unpack it a little bit more, starting at uh, verse uh, 28. He says, which one of you, when he wants to build a tower? I've never built a tower. Anybody here ever built a tower? Huh. <laughs> but I have built a house. So let's talk about it in terms of building a house. He says, if anyone wants to build a house, does he not first? Here's what you do. You sit down and you calculate the cost to see if you have enough to finish paying for it. Do you have enough money? Do you have access? Do you have the resources to finish it? Otherwise, when he lays the foundation, he gets started building the house. He won't have enough to finish it. And everybody looks at him and they ridicule him and say, hey, he started it, but he couldn't finish it. That's stupid. And then... The next couple of verses, he says, it's like this. He said, um, let's go to the next slide, guys. There you go. He said, or, or what king? He's got his army, and over here is another army, and, and they're about to do battle. But what king, if he's getting, getting ready to go into war, does not sit down and see if he can win? Can my 10,000 soldiers defeat the 20,000 soldiers? Is my army stronger than their army? Are my weapons better than their weapons? You, you say, do I have a, a, a realistic chance of winning this war? And if you don't, you try to find a way to make peace. What's Jesus saying? He's saying if you're going to do something in life, know what you're doing. Think about it. Because following me, Jesus says, you need to understand is more than just being part of a crowd. It's more than just being one of the curious and the interested. Being on journey with me, he says, means I come first. And sometimes they're sacrificing, you give up comfort. It's, it's about my kingdom and my gospel. And do you, do you want to be more than just a part of the crowd? Do you want to be a disciple? Do you want to be a follower? And then he wraps it up by saying something really interesting in verse 33. He says, then, so then, in conclusion, uh, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Now, it's interesting, just like that sandwich model I talked about a, a few weeks ago. Jesus begins, the first piece of bread is, if you're going to follow me, guess what? I come first before family and self. And then he wraps it up. The second piece of bread of this discipleship sandwich is, hey, if you're going to follow me and be my disciple, you have to give up everything you own. All your possessions, all your, all your money, everything, give it up. Now, does that mean Jesus wants us to give away all our money, give away all our clothes, give away our cars, give away our house, give away everything and just be destitute? Hmm. It's just like it was with the family. He's using hyperbole, exaggeration to make a point. And what he's saying is this. You want to follow me? You, you want to be on a journey with me? You want to be my disciple and be part of what I'm doing? Uh, you know, my kingdom? Making a difference in this world? then, then you, you have to let go of what you own. Stop trying to control it because it's not yours, it's mine. Because I'm, I'm your Lord, he says. 
Because he, he says, your, your journey with me is going to be incomplete. There's going to be a lot of stumbling. It's not going to be what it should be if you're still trying to own everything, control everything, keep your hands on all of it. He says, if you want to really be on journey with me, let go. Everything, everyone, and I think the reason, now notice this, Jesus started talking about family and finished by talking about money. You know why? Do you know why? Do you know why, church? What's the two things we love most in life? Family and stuff. Family and stuff. Family and stuff. And Jesus understood that the two things that would compete for the heart of every human being when it came to devotion to him were those two things. Now, can I be honest with you? In my journey, I've tried to love him more than my family and more than my money, and I've had some success in that, but I've also tripped a time or two. Anybody similar to that? Huh? But I know this, if I'm going to keep marching toward heaven as a follower and a disciple of Christ, I have to keep going that direction. And loving him above all these things. Hardest thing for us to do. Being part of the crowd's easy. Following him and putting him above all this stuff. It's the hardest thing we'll ever do in life. But it's also the most worthwhile thing we will ever do in life. A few moments ago I said that, that what Jesus is saying here applies to me and you individually, but also to us collectively as a family of faith. It does. So let me talk about that for a moment, about our church. So give me, give me, give me three or four minutes here. Let me say something real quick as I wrap this up. You all know we are committed to paying off the debt on this campus, our relocation project. And our capital campaign we're making commitments to today called 6 and 6 Part 2. God's called us to finish paying for this. But let me say something about that and then a few other things I want you to know. Um, I want to brag on some people. I, I want to brag on a lot of people in this church, in the, this service and those who were in the first service this morning. Because there have been and are today a lot of people in this church who on their journey understood what Jesus is saying here. Haven't done it perfectly, but have done it well. And have been generous with their time and their money and their talents making a difference in people's lives. And last Sunday I said sometimes our journey lasts a while. Well, guess what? But I, I see Brother Jim Davis sitting back here who was chair of our Lone Range Planning Committee all the way back in the early 90s when we started this. When we bought this land in 1996, none of us at that time dreamed the journey would last quite this long. We really didn't know. Bit ideas, but we didn't know. It's been a long journey. Do you know what would have been a quicker journey? Well, let's just build a building, two or three million dollars, add on to what we already have. That would have been a quick journey. We would, we'd have done, we would have finished that a long, long time ago. 
wasn't what God wanted, wouldn't have been as effective as what we have done. Wouldn't be here if we had done that. But it would have been quick and a lot easier. Sometimes the journey lasts a while. And the one we've been on as a church family has been a long journey. 21 years now. And we're closer, we're closer to this part of the journey being completed than we've ever been. And I praise God for that. And there have been a lot of people over the years of this journey that have made all of that possible. See, we didn't just add on a $3 million building. We relocated everything. There's almost $18 million in property and campus facilities and so on here. That's a big picture. That's a long journey. That's not an easy, quick one. And sometimes I, I wish it would have been over quicker. I'm sure some of you do. That's just not the way it always works. What do you do? You keep moving forward. You don't stand still. But let me tell you something else. Let me share something else with you. On this journey, paying off the debt on this building, it's, it's just it's an important thing, and, 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 and I'm excited about that. But it's just one part of what we're doing. Do you know why this church exists? Hmm. Same reason every New Testament church exists is to make disciples. That's, that's the whole thing Jesus is talking about. Follow me. Be a disciple, right? Be a disciple. That's the purpose. That's why we exist. Every church exists is to make disciples. Not just a crowd, but disciples. When Jesus went back to heaven in Matthew 28, go make disciples. And that's not just about discipleship classes. That's people being saved through evangelism and becoming followers of Christ who are growing and then in turn making other disciples. And on our journey, while we're paying off the debt and everything else, we're still making disciples and sharing the gospel with lost people here in Rock Hill and around the world on mission with Christ. We are still here and around the world serving in a way that meets the needs of people through time and talent, but also through resources. We're doing it. We're doing some things alone as a church, and there are many other things we're doing in partnership with other churches. And we're not just doing one or two things. We're doing many things because the body is diverse. We're a body, hand, eye, feet, knees, and the church is never going to do just one thing, never going to do just two things. We're going to do everything he calls us to do. And think about being on mission for Christ in this world. Do you realize that in recent years, We've sent out 25 teams on mission trips to North America, and you see some of the places they've gone. In recent years, we've sent 20 teams on international trips, Dominican Republic, England, Haiti, Honduras, Jamaica, Zambia, etc. Taking the gospel beyond what you do in your daily lives to people around the world, meeting needs and partnering with other Christian ministries and agencies. I said something about that last Sunday. Let me drill down a little deeper. What we call our kingdom partners and our community partners because it's not just about us. It's working in tandem with other believers and other good-hearted people to make a difference in people's lives. I mentioned last Sunday that there are numerous ministries that use our campus for an annual fundraising event at which they raise 
a significant portion of their ministry budgets. And it's not just that. It's that in partnership with them, they are able to use our facility at no cost or a very reduced cost because we're ministry partners only paying for the, the people who have to run sound or some extra custodial help rather than having to pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to use other facilities that would not be as conducive to what they're trying to do as our campus is. And it's not just that. It's groups that, that actually serve people at a point of need on our campus. And you see some of the, let's go back one slide, guys. Back one slide, please. There you go. Some of the, some of the groups, and that's just a partial list. And we're never going to say we're going to choose two of those, and that's all we're working with. Because there are people in this church who have different passions and different gifts. And think about some of those and the difference they make in people's lives. Now we go to the slide about money and giving. Because in the listen to this. In the midst of, 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 of the paying off the debt, last year, just last year, 2017, in addition to all of that, the members of this church gave over $300,000 to mission causes and benevolent meeting needs causes in this community and around the world. And I could take the next 30 minutes unpacking what all is in that. That's significant. So yeah, we're on mission and we're headed to heaven, but along the way of doing everything and yes, paying off the debt, there's all this other stuff. And I could go on with other, that's just some of it. One more slide. The hundreds of people in this church through their Sunday school classes and through the men's ministry and the women's ministry and the RAs and the GAs and the youth ministry and on and on who volunteer in ministries and agencies in this community that are touching lives at a point of need, spiritual needs and physical needs and mental needs. All part of the journey. All part of the journey. So it's about a whole lot more. And I, 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 I know paying off the debt is a big deal. But there's a whole lot more happening. And I'm thankful to be part of it. So let me ask you. Are you content to be part of the crowd? Or do you want to step out from the crowd and be more? Be on journey. Be a disciple. Be a follower. Put him first. Let's stand. The team's going to lead us in singing. And as we do, the invitation is extended for you to come to the altar and pray about the Lordship of Christ in your life, your surrender to Him, you being on mission with Him, you putting Him above everything and everyone. You come to one of our pastors here at the front and say, God's calling me to be part of this church family, and today I want to be to officially commit and, and become a member of First Baptist. Jesus is calling some of you because he's standing and he's calling and you've never come to him. You've, you've never approached him. You've never been saved. You've never been forgiven. You, you've never surrendered your life at all. You've never committed yourself to Jesus and become a follower, become a Christian. 
And we're asking you to come to one of these pastors and say, today I want to give my life to Jesus and be saved. So let's sing. You come and pray. You come and make your decisions for Christ right now.